Hey, everybody, this is Paul Jackson from Blackberry Smoke, and you're listening to Jay Scott from The Hook Rocks. doing it is jay scott it is the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast part of the pantheon podcast network as i always mention at the beginning of every episode check out some of my friends who i've had on the podcast on the great platform there's a podcast for every form of musical taste i've had vinnie apice and, and carmen apiece from the hanging and banging podcast decibel geek mac from the ugly american werewolf in london the Florida transplant that's now in England, and Tom and Zeus from the number one rated KISS podcast, Shout Out Loudcast, as well as Mistress Carrie out in Boston and the rock historian Martin Popoff. So check out all of those. And don't forget to follow the Hook Rocks wherever you do podcasts. We're on every platform, Apple, Spotify. And don't forget to download the app so you get the latest episode right to your phone whenever we drop new ones. And write us a review. Tell us what you think. We always appreciate any feedback. We've had some awesome episodes over the last month. We just had Eddie Trunk on talking about the landscape of music now with uh, new emerging bands. We just did a collaborative episode with Gernika Mancini from Thunder Mother and Nick Reese from Joyous Wolf. Don't forget to check out the episode with Joe Satriani. Mark Tremonti, as well as Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy, as well as some great new music spotlights, too, as well, with Bastet in the UK, Stone Broken, another great UK band, Georgia Thunderbolts, and Native Sons. We've got another excellent episode. I always say the episodes are excellent. It's partially my ego. It's partially I'm serious. But uh, glad to welcome a band that I've been a fan of over the last few years, um, they're ready to put out a new album. We're going to talk about the album tonight. And uh, the singer Josh has been a guest a couple of times. He was actually on a collaborative episode a few months ago with John Drake from the Dust Coda. And I'd like to welcome in the Black Moods. What's happening? How are you guys doing? Hello. Hello. Good to see you. We've got the whole clan with uh, you guys. I call our guys in the band. <laughs> we don't leave each other's side. Ever. It's kind of it's kind of romantic, you know? And awkward. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got Josh Kennedy, we got Jordan Hoffman, and we got Chico Diaz. It's Chico's birthday today. 
So there's also reason to celebrate that. But uh, glad to have you guys on. Talk about the new album. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. So I've had the pleasure of absorbing it over the last week. And what really strikes me about this album is the whole vibe from the first song to the last. Uh, Number one, first of all, not many bands take the last song on the album and release it as a single. And that's the song, The Cure. It's it's fantastic. That was the last one you guys just did. Uh, Really kind of brooding, bluesy song. And we're going to get into all the tracks. But, you know... We've all been through a lot over the last couple of years. Josh, you told the story about, you know, how you guys were traveling through the country and you got a call from your management company to go home during COVID. And the first time I interviewed you, I think you guys were in St. Louis recording some stuff. Now that the journey's nearly complete and the album's about to be released, looking back on these last two years, what in terms of the music, you know, what are you guys most happy about and most proud about with this new album? I think we uh, really matured um, as songwriters, lyrically and uh, musically with, with this um, album because we were really able to spend some of our time um, writing. A lot of our time, all we did was write and like record instead of touring, you know what I mean? So normally what we used to do was uh, we would tour for two weeks, a month, and then we were go back and record, you know, three or four songs, um, go back on the road for a month and then go back and record a few more. But um, that kind of lifestyle and touring or, you know, that kind of lifestyle kind of ended with COVID. So we were actually kind of able to have, like I said, a lot more time to like really dive into those songs. So yeah, I think exactly. we really grew. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, take off with what Jordan's saying is instead of having three or four days to record, we had four months all together and and you know if we had writer's block or if we were working on lyrics or something we'd be like you know what let's get out of this room let's go to the creek bring the acoustics and let's figure it out and, and the beer <clears throat> don't forget the beer and the beer and some bacon for the crawdads yeah and uh it was awesome and so that's it we was relaxed we couldn't go anywhere and so we just went to the woods and uh we made a record and i think that really comes through um i can hear i can hear the environment we were in when I listened to the album, which is what I take away from it the most, you know, it puts me right back where we were when we wrote it. So, so to me, you can, you can hear the Ozarks and we did a radio interview yesterday and I, cause we were talking about the same thing. And I said, you can hear the Ruth in the songs <laughs> because Ozark, I don't know if you've watched Ozark, but the, you know, you can hear Ruth in there. So it's pretty great. I think you guys give her credit on the album. Uh, we should. <laughs> we always should, yeah. You know, you mentioned something interesting about how you had more time with this album. You know, recording it, does that enable you to develop a song that may be taking longer? You know, sometimes when you're on a deadline and you're, you've got three, four days in the studio, I don't want to say you're rushing things, but maybe if a song isn't clicking right away, you kind of just kind of skip it and maybe wait for the next album or kind of develop it when a new release comes out like this one. But having that time, were you able to see that benefit of sitting with a song longer and really kind of working it out? Yeah, 100%. 100%. We also spent too much time on songs, I think, like because of that. Like there was a lot of times, not a lot. I would say back to the original take or something. A handful of times where you wanted to pull your hair out, you know. 
because you, you get stuck. And I think sometimes being under a time crunch maybe forces you to, um, it kind of forces you to write things and do things that you kind of wouldn't do under like, like, like well, not we've done that. And that's like with the other records too. It's like, we've done that before. So this is the first time we've ever actually got to spend like three months in a row to say the least making an album. It's always been in between legs of tours. And so, so this time we, we sat with it and that can burn you out easily. You know, we, we got burnt out multiple times and, uh, and that was part of the process too, because we've never made a record like that. So it was really good for us. I think when you talk about the environment and hearing the Ozarks, you know, on the album, that atmosphere, you know, the last couple of years has been full of atmosphere. And, you know, when you think of all the stuff that we've been through, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's protests, whether it's this, that, or, or uh, you know, or the other, there's been a lot going on. And as an artist, you guys are absorbing this stuff, you're watching this stuff, and that in itself is an environment. How do you, how do you have the environment affect you with the Ozarks and also maybe keep out the other, the negative environment that's happening around you? How do you, how do you work through that? We don't pay much attention to what goes on outside of us. We're in a bubble. <laughs> like, so we don't really know a bunch yeah. of the bad stuff that happens. Like, you know, our manager, our management had to call us and tell us there was a pandemic. We had yeah, to I remember that. Yeah. So, Told you to get some toilet paper and some water, right? And there was none. Yeah. We watch rock documentaries and reruns of something failed and get stoned on the bus like we're not you know we don't like politically like uh, aware of certain things that's going on like yeah i mean we're, we're in our dogs in our own bubble and we're also like brothers and so we laugh all the time and we always have a good time so kind of answer your question on how do we keep all that negativity out is for one we like we laugh it away and we just laugh at each other all the time <laughs> that's what we do because we're in some pretty we we find ourselves in uh, not the how do you say it like in some very weird and shitty situations it can be <laughs> yeah and the only way to get through it is to laugh your way through it or else you're just gonna you're gonna sink. We've yeah. lost a lot of tires. On yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like pouring down rain in the middle of somewhere. The snow and the rain. Yeah. We had eight hours to get to Sam check. How are you gonna do it? Yeah, and go. And <laughs> Well, when I saw you guys at the Forge when you opened up for the Dead Daisies, I kind of really grasped that, too, as well, especially when you guys were, well, Josh was giving my son a beer holder, who's only 16. He's probably already using You know what? I got to tell you, a little off topic, he still wears his Black Moods bracelet to high school every day. Every day he wears that thing, you know? So it's pretty cool. So, but... You know, I got that vibe from you guys that, you know, music is fun. Rock music is, is about a good time. You know, you hear that with the new song Saturday Night, you know, about and which you guys played live that night, too, as well, when I saw you in concert. Um, and that's a vibe I think is lost on a lot of artists, a lot of new artists. You know, they want to write the, the you know, the the deep, important song about what's happening in the world. But at the end of the day... You know, rock and roll was founded on the Stones and Zepp- Zeppelin and the Beatles, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I mean, yeah, there's some serious stuff in there, but for the most part, it's it's meant to be a soundtrack of your life, not to make you, you know, ponder the meaning of life. 
Yeah, it's like we, we, we just don't settle on like one emotion, I don't think, when it comes to songwriting. You know, we cover all the bases. So from, right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. definitely, uh, like you said, Saturday nights, like you can put that on and you, it gets you pumped. You want to, you know, you want to, whether you're a drinker or whatever it is your thing is, like you want to have a beer after you hear that song. And that's important. That's kind of things. And also she gets out. I want to get out. The, I want to get out of the house and, you know, be outside in this kind of vibe. In streak. Yeah, in street. <laughs> in the quad. Naked, through the quad. Yeah. <laughs> try try doing that in Iowa. See where, see where that gets you. You ever run backwards to a cornfield? Maybe tip over a cow while you're doing it? The night is still young, my friend. <laughs> hey, it's a birthday night, too. You never know. All bets are off. All rules are thrown out the window. <laughs> the new album is Into the Night. We're going to get into it here. We're going to go track by track and talk about the music, celebrate the new album of The Black Moods. It's been an album that I know myself and others that uh, discuss new rock have been waiting for and hoping for. And we're less than a week away when uh, this album does come out. And the first track is Youth is Wasted on the Young. And what's interesting about this is I had an uncle that said this to me when I was a kid, when I was growing up. Because he says, when you get older and you figure everything out, you wish you could go back and relive your youth and be so much more powerful and so much more knowledgeable. And he's like, but you're not able to do it. You learn everything after you're young that you wish you could apply. So I love that kind of tongue-in-cheekness of the song. It's really cool. It's a great way to open up the album. Thank you. Yeah, it came out like we were just jamming in the studio, and uh, like the songs, you know, certain songs seem to crawl out of us just being together, you know, kind of thing. And that one just, there was something about the groove and the jive that we were doing. And then uh, the line just, very just it just came out it's because i heard that too you know it's like all growing up you know it's like that's just an obvious thing it, it is wasted on the young you know right. but what's funny about it is that we had those lines and the song was going but it wasn't until months later when we were recording in, in missouri that we actually finished this finished the song we started tossing around and that's when it was kind of shut down so we kind of all felt grounded and like there was somebody we're, I mean, we're adult men, you know, all of a sudden we felt like we were grounded and somebody was telling us what to do. So we kind of wrote the song from that perspective of feeling like, you know, a kid being pushed around. It's like, you can't do this. You can't do that. So we wrote the whole song kind of from that, you know, that perspective. So this is one of the earliest songs, you know, during the session. Yeah. Yeah. Which is ironic because it's the first song on the, on the record. So it, it's, it's, well, let's check out a clip. We're gonna give him a heart attack. We're gonna shake him up and take it back, yeah. They're gonna make you take a pill for that. Corrupt machine and egomaniacs. But everything they do to keep us down. We're gonna turn it up and play it loud, yeah. Are you another face in the crowd? Oh, are you the one that's gonna scream and shout? Who are you?
on the album is Hollywood, which again, when I you know first talked about that vibe of the album, uh, this really kind of defines that what I'm talking about because you know you go from the first track into this and you really kind of feel Hollywood. I mean, those of us have been there. It kind of really kind of cap- captures that that essence of what it's about with the song. Yeah. Well, that's when we were writing it. What came out about, we were just in the basement and we were kind of coming up with some songs or tossing stuff around and tracking old stuff and covers. We were just having fun and getting acclimated to the environment. And uh, uh, I don't know, it was late. I think we took some mushrooms or something. <laughs> yeah, we were going to, I think we were like going to bed or I was about to go to bed. It was super late. So I went in the next room with the acoustic and the, the, uh, the supersonic, the Oasis documentary just came out not too long before that. And I've been watching it over and over on the feed. And so, and I was, I love Oasis. So the way that Noel Gallagher plays and he has a lot of open strings, I just went in the other room and that was on my mind. And, uh, and so I just kind of came up with a thing and actually you popped in and I, I heard him when I was, yeah, back to when I was like, uh, it sounded awesome because I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm gonna go to bed, and then I hear him playing, and I'm just like, son of a. <laughs> so I went in, I poked my head in, and I'm like, God, that sounds great. So I sat down and we started playing it. Yeah. I figured I already knew what I was gonna play, like as soon as I heard, it. like, uh, so I, I already had my, you know, vision. my vision, for my part, kind of like as soon as I heard it, I was like, this is awesome. There's a cool little, like, little groove, you know what I mean? Like, I dug it. And then when Johnny K came. Uh, down from Chicago, uh, who produced it, of course. Uh, he, uh, we played it for him, and we were kind of like, Where are we going to go with this? Because I think we just had the chord structure, and then we were like tossing around ideas, like, What's a th- good theme? And, right. and we started talking about all the weird experiences times we had in Los Angeles and you know, like going to, you know, you're invited to the after party, but your friends aren't, kind of thing. It was very, Awkward and um, clicky, clicky, and you know, faced. Yeah, it's just it's uh, everybody pompous. has an agenda. Yeah. yeah, kind of thing. It's like nobody's just how we just hang out. You don't just find that randomly in Los Angeles, or you know, Hollywood's just kind of that vibe. Love it, but love to hate it at the same time. So that's kind of where the songs you know came from. Mm-hmm. Like that scene in Swingers, you know, where they're all at the party in the hills. Derby and all that kind of stuff when they're hanging out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's check it out. Hollywood 
know, what I noticed about the band, and it really kind of started with Sunshine and into this album, is the, the, the difference in songwriting. Like, I think you guys have finally become comfortable with your sound and who you guys are. And it started with Sunshine and it continues with this album. Do you guys find that too as well, where you kind of are, you're still evolving, I think, because you can hear that with the new album. But I think it's there's also a sense of comfort between the three of you too. Definitely, definitely, and a lot of it is is Jordan because Jordan joined us about right before we started recording Sunshine and writing some of Sunshine. But a lot of Sunshine, Josh and I had already written those songs years before or before Jordan. Yeah, a couple, a couple of them. And then when Jordan came in, he was thrown on the fire and did a great job. And then this one. By then, while we were recording this one, we were actually not became brothers and became like uh, well, we weren't apart like yeah. to where I could come in with full songs and be like, "Hey, here's the demo of the song," and the guys just put their stuff on it or vice versa or whatever it is. This record came from all of us. We came off tour. Nothing. Nobody had time to go and demo stuff and show it to the other guy. Right off tour, right into the studio. You know, and so we were sitting there. Well, I've got this, and I've got this, and this, and you know, it's just we just started from the ground up, really. Yeah, so that was a big difference. As far as that difference goes, you know, when you're all contributing, you know, I I heard in you know an interview one time that the most difficult part when is when a band comes together for the new album and they all got ideas. It's like that moment where everyone's kind of putting stuff out on a table and selling each other on why this is badass, why this is great. Is that a similar experience with you guys? Uh, I mean, I think the cool thing about us is, for one, there's never a bad idea. They just, um, if they're not used and it's a collaborative thing, um, and we respect each other musically. You know, I won't tell Jordan what to do on the bass unless I have a really good idea. Um, <laughs> and you know like i mean well of course we'd be like well, what if you do this or what if you do this? For the most part it's, it's yeah we re- we collaborate a lot again you know, we elaborate on that we, we share ideas we trust each other vocally lyrically you know you can jump yeah we're, we're ideas and uh you know sometimes they don't work and one of us came in with a full song you know, top to bottom, like that's like, like you want to do that, you do that. Now we're like, oh, well, we're not going to do this song. You know, yeah. that's that's the way because we have, we're you know we're we're talking with you know, and so we see how things work. Like, oh, we bands you want to be more like, and there's bands you don't want to be like at all. Yeah. So. The next track is Saturday night. Uh, which again, like I mentioned earlier, I had the pleasure of hearing when you guys played uh, the Chicago area um, last summer, and it was a crowd pleaser. It was great, great tune, a great party song. Like you said, you know, you could put it on at a, you know, when you're having a good time out in a barbecue or or a party or whatever. Um, in my opinion, and I'm not taking anything away from the song in the studio version, the live version is just as as a whole level of energy. It's it you have it on the album, but the live version was just absolutely monster when you guys played it. Thanks. We actually just got to play that at the 
uh, playoff, the game number five for the Suns. Yeah, Suns versus Mavericks before yeah. they uh, before they biffed it. Before they biffed it. Uh, yeah, so that was yeah. Saturday night in front of 18,000 people, which we've never done before. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. That is awesome. What was the, how did that song come about? I think it was the same. I think it might have been started out the same session as when we were writing Youth. Yeah, they were. It was just, you know, we kind of go through these spurts where we start spitting out yes. like solid ideas. Yeah, somebody comes up with a, a riff. I don't even know which one did it. And we're like, dun, 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 dun. like, okay, that's cool. And then it just, it's kind of weird how it works. It's yeah. just easy. It's like we just vomit and there's like, poof. Yeah, it's one of those things <laughs> where you worry about if you question it, it won't happen again. <laughs> <laughs> When you have a song like that, that is kind of anthem-like, right? I mean, it, it is an anthem. Um, is it hard to capture that energy with a song like that? Or you know, do you guys know that when this gets played live, this is really going to go over well? Well, I think we kind of followed up with like Belladonna a little bit, because Belladonna is kind of anthem-like from Sunshine, that, that single. So, go, I mean, talking like in a live sense, like how it's a call and response kind of thing. Bella, Donna, I want you. We kind of bring the, the crowd involved into it. And I think that lives there with Saturday Night. There's a lot of moments where the crowd can be involved yeah. and sing the song with us, which is being present in that moment. So, it's a very cool, very cool feeling. Yeah, I, I picture that song like college football Saturday night. When, yeah. you're, when you're watching and then they go to commercial break and they got uh, the Black Moods playing. Well, we we come, on, come on, ESPN. Yeah. Come, on. come on, Kevin. You're yeah. watching this. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's perfect for, you know, some sports action. But, uh, uh, totally. Uh, it is. It's, it's very anthemic and uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, I mean, it's very much just like us too, just – you know the lyrics about going out on Saturday night and having fun. Yeah, that's the whole premise yeah, of the song. Like it's fun. stupid, <laughs> but it is fun. You know, and that's just who we are. Yeah. Let's check it out. track is she gets out and that was the lead track on the album or for the album uh the first single released and it's again it really kind of builds up as the song goes right it starts off with acoustic and i think you even said 
to me. I don't know if it was in the at the show or when we were talking last time with John from the Dakota that you know a lot of the album was going to be more mellow. Um, I didn't get that. I thought the album was. I thought this was mellow, but I thought the album was full of great riffs, full of a great vibe, uh, full of energy. But you know, the first track was maybe maybe I misunderstood, but the first track was was very mellow, and it builds to that, you know, that 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 great hook of of a chorus when you know as as the song keeps going. Why did you guys decide to release that one first? I think we were just trying to test the waters out a little bit. I think we hadn't released something in a while. And, uh, you know, we were trying to follow up Sunshine. So Sunshine came out and uh, we weren't really able to tour with it. And that song, Sunshine, um, was our, was it number 16 on the chart? Was that the highest one we got? Like, um, and we thought it would be kind of cool to do like a follow-up song. So that's what She Gets Out is. She yeah, Gets Out sequel. is actually like a sequel. It's like, a, it's like the same characters is, is involved. Well, you know, who Sunshine, this character, whoever you want it to be. Yeah, the same out. person. Yeah, it's just a follow-up. So we thought it would be pretty cool to like, kind of like, you know, we did Sunshine last and then just started with She Gets Out, you know. Continue. Yeah, it was. Um... They continue. I'm, I'm waiting for the third part because then you got a trilogy, right? Then you got a franchise. You got a franchise if you have a third one. Yeah, next record. Maybe she's, she's got grandkids. Yeah. That's the name of she gets, she got she got grandkids. She gets wine drunk. Yeah. <laughs> she gets pregnant. She, 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 she loves she loves box wine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Takes one last look behind her. You passed out on the couch last night, ain't ever gonna find her. Screen door creaks, freeze up, butterflies remind her. She got just enough for the boss, nobody say I'm tied to her. Yeah, it feels like it might be okay. There's something different about the way she feels today She gets out and feels like the summer is already first few songs that you guys released you know she gets out saturday night hollywood um again really uh 
really do take you or prepare you for this album with what's to come because you know in between these songs and the last track which i mentioned is the last song on the album the cure which was the last single that you guys just did there's a lot of meat on this album in terms of riffs in terms of different types of influences i mean you hear everything from like petty eagles to like talking heads and some punk and everything in between it's 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 so well done and meshed together um, with the album. And the next track, which is you know one of those riffs that's really cool, is Big Time, um, which is the fifth song on the album. That was, that's was that been in the works for a while. We never kind of tossed that around. We'd come back to it and kind of messed around with it just because the chorus is so... The whole story of the song is, especially the way we live, it's very tongue-in-cheek and, you know... If you once you hear the song, you can picture that person, whoever it might be, that's in the in the band, and like they got all their chains on, they got their nails painted black, they they look the part, but they can't find the stage door to save their lives to get on stage. Yeah. You know, that's the least of their worries is playing the show. They only just want to make sure they look good. Yeah, you know, worried more about looking good. Yeah, than sounding good. Like, yeah, they didn't sounding care. good. They didn't, what's the what? No, and oh. actually, it's it's funny because. <laughs> It's it's kind of a culmination of characters that we know, like musicians that we've met along the way. But uh, there's this, like just a piece of it, like when I the nails painted black and the chains on that you forgot the stage that you were playing on literally happened to me. Uh, I was playing a side project at the time, and the drummer <laughs> he he was always you know looked the part and everything. And we got I remember getting on stage in Seattle or something. And he's like, hey, is it, we're getting ready to play. And he's like, you guys see my sticks? <laughs> like, what? Your you, sticks? Use your hand, boy. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. Wow. So that's kind of where that is like, oh, you got your chains. I think you're ready for the big time now. You know, you look great. But you, you look did you, know, you Yeah. Did you sound good? <laughs> Does a drummer not have his sticks? Like, oh. like that is like. The essential part of playing drums. This guy he didn't stop there. He not only was he like that, but then he was always the last guy to get back on the back in the van when you would stop to get gas. So everybody would be in and out and back ready to roll. And this guy's like, "Oh wait, I gotta go in." And you're like, "You son of a bitch!" Here <laughs> for 15 minutes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn it, it happened one time. You're never gonna let them just joke today. It wasn't. It me. happened one time. Today. It wasn't me. <laughs> When you're writing about experiences and you're writing, thinking of these characters you've met along the way and these things that you've done, how how fun is that to relive, relive that kind of stuff when it's a lot of tongue in cheek and a lot of those types of memories? Oh, it's great to like after the fact. Yeah, way down the road. When it's going down at the moment is when it sucks. And when you're writing it, you're like, son of a. <laughs> <laughs> you're looking at them. And then, you know. Years later, whenever the song makes a record and you love the record so much, you go, okay, that's hilarious. Yeah. You know, it's easier to swallow now that it's a good song. <laughs> you guys do write a lot about characters, though, or, or, or you know, whether the person is something that you've thought of or a person that you've actually had to, to deal with. In terms of when you write about that, is what is the percentage of reality versus an idea of a character? Uh. Well, I've never. Well, that's a good. That's I've a good never. Um, what, I've never left him on the couch, passed out. 
like she gets out. So that's definitely character. Like, but a lot of it seeps in, you know. Well, a lot of it too, especially on this record, is Johnny K having him come in. Like Sunshine, a lot of it was already we already done, and then we just tracked it. Uh, this one, it just came from nothing, and uh, and it was really cool because usually it's Josh and who comes up with the lyrics or Johnny K him, but this time it went all the way around the room. And we were all sitting there and he'd come up with a topic and then so making up stories, which was what I thought was really cool about this writing process Mm -hmm. is some of the songs are just made up stories. You're just telling a story. Well, we there are some truths. Yeah, we take our what's happened to us. Yeah. And, you know, you make a character out of that. So there there are elements of truth throughout. Um, But I don't so far, really, just the songs that we listed going through have been. Is it characterizations? Yes. Is that how you say that? The junkie excuses. You know, we'll talk about that. Yeah. But <laughs> that one is one of those songs where that's about somebody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won't say who it is, but that's definitely about somebody. <laughs> I figured because I mean, how do you come up with a title like that unless you've had a, you've had those experiences? You know. Let's check out uh, Big Time here. Great riff. Let's hear it. <laughs> chains on you got your game on but you've forgotten the stage that you've been playing on the next track is leading me on uh, again continues with the vibe continues with i i have to say like i love a good riff and i love you know i love when when you know the band has that synergy around a riff um every song on this album you know, satisfies me in that regard because, you know, there's a lot of cool riffs, a lot of cool different styles from each song to each song. Um, the, the the writing, the humor in the writing and, and the kind of the tongue in cheekness and just the way you guys are playing together. Um, it sounds like the Ozarks, basically. There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, it's funny. It's like, I thought I got to put, use the word sexual healing in a song. For this song. <laughs> how, how happy were you when, when that actually happened? That was like one of the first lines that I was like, oh my God, I'm going to say sexual healing in this song. <laughs> when you were writing that, did you get like, did you well, start to tear up a little bit? Yeah, I, it was, it was mostly before me, okay? But uh, what's funny about this song, because when we, when we were writing Sunshine, uh, Johnny K, our producer, would he'd always call me up with a song of the day to listen to. To listen to this song, to get some, you know, mojo going or whatever, to like, you know, yeah, and so he'd said, "Love me too." He's like, "Love me." Too. He was getting, he was actually leaving the session to fly to Chicago. I was flying home. My granddad had just passed away, and so we were both leaving at the same time. And so he, he's like, when he's getting in his car, he's like, "Hey, song of the day, love me two times by the Doors," which one of my favorite bands of all time. And uh, so I had that going through my head, like that. So when I was back home caught myself with this going through my head and all the you know family stuff i was having to deal with and everything but this was it was always in my brain so that's how belladonna came about and then uh so when i came back and i showed it we showed it to johnny he freaked out so 
he's forever been on the quest to find that riff is how I feel. So when he brought lead me on, cause he's, he's like, Dan, and he's forever looking for this riff, I think. And so when he brought us lead me on, cause he had, he, there was no song, just that Dan, yeah, the riff. So he's, I got this thing, you know, and I love that. And so we all bring stuff to the table. So Johnny's like, when we're making a record with him, he's the fourth member of the band. And so we're like, okay, if he listens to us and let's just push these on him, we'll give him like, what do you got Johnny? So he threw us this little riff. And at first we were kind of, it was like, what are we doing? And then we were like, let's attack it. Like the who did on my generation and that kind of thing. So we, we came from that way of it. And uh, I think it came out pretty well, but, that's always so funny to me when he came and used those little riff, guitar riffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because well, that's why. Yeah. Josh <laughs> also gets like really like, uh, hmm, what is the word? Touchy. Touchy. <laughs> that's a good, that's not the word I was going to use, by the way. People. <laughs> For all of you watching, listening, that's not, touchy's a good one. Touchy. It's touchy. When we're recording, like, because he's a guitar player, and he's like, I want to play that guitar. And Johnny K. Like, yeah, I'm Johnny. not here to, like, let somebody else play guitar. So, all right, all right. See, I told you he's touchy. He gets touchy. <laughs> yeah, um, it was just kind of fun. It wasn't funny. It, it, it's funny to watch, like, once, and then they actually did get in, like, a little bit of a fight. Yeah, like, they've gotten a bunch of fights, actually. <laughs> but anyways... Yeah, no, Josh does all the work, but that was a cool rip that Johnny did. You know, Johnny yeah. did the. Uh, it was. It's awesome. It's it's just a breath of fresh air too, because we're like, like constantly like ideas, 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 and it's us, and you know, we gotta get in this you know, tent of rock and roll emotion or whatever it is, and so to have Johnny come in, he he's, he's like, like I said, he's forever chasing that Belladonna riff. I don't know whose idea it was to do the bass solo on Lead Me On. Well, all. that came up from the Who thing. We're like, oh, yeah. we should, you know, like my oh, generation yeah. of do, yeah. do, 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 yeah. the, the working title of that, of that song before there was lyrics or anything was My Generation. Right? Yeah. yeah. That, the, the Who, who song. song. Actually, the Who song. <laughs> and, and even for me, like drum wise, because I, I pretty much like to play for the song. And he's like, this is your song, Chico. And he beat the hell out of me in the studio. He's like, yeah, there's video. It was like it. the octopus that plays the drums. Like, yeah. everything was flailing. Yeah, he's like, think <laughs> Keith Moon. And I don't play like Keith Moon. Keith Moon is an alien and plays totally weird. And I was like, what? He's like, do that. So I had to listen to it for a week or whatever. And then came back to it, and he just beat my ass on it. But eventually, it turned out pretty good. Yeah, he was yelling at you like Denzel Washington and Remember the Titans. Yeah. <laughs> he really was. My man. My man. My man. Let's give it a spin. How do you start it? When you're working with a producer like Johnny K and you're searching for the music, you're, you're on this journey together, how important is it for you to have a comfort level? How important is it for you to have someone that pushes you? Um, one of the things with music and the music industry right now is anyone can put a song on a streaming service, which is great. It's also bad. Right. Because there's things that shouldn't be out there that people are putting out, especially younger artists. But 
the point of this is, is that they don't have anyone in the room besides their girlfriend or their mom telling them how great the music is, right? And the need to have that person in the room telling you, eh, that doesn't sound right. Keep working at it. That, that, eh, I don't like the way that sounds. I don't like the way that goes together. Well, they're pushing you. They're trying to get the most out of you for the song. What's more important for you or for you three? Is it the comfort working with someone that is part of the team or someone that pushes you and kind of makes you feel uncomfortable a little bit? I would say comfort, but we probably don't get much of that from Johnny Case. So we get, but on the other hand, not to, you know, we do get a lot of, um, he pushes us a lot, you know what I mean? Which I do appreciate a lot because there's times where it does get frustrating working with someone like that. Like, because we're like that too. We, I mean, we, even without Johnny Case, there's times where we're all three like, all right, we need to take a break because we get frustrated, whatever, but everybody does. But uh, he is definitely, uh, Johnny K is definitely pushy. You like to push. I like that though. So in my opinion, for me anyways, I kind of like having somebody, like you said, in the room being like, you know what? Let's try this, you know? Do that again. Do it again. He would blow Josh's voice out. Like he'd be doing vocal takes. Come on, do it again. You're going to sound like a girl or something or whatever. I don't know. His favorite favorite, uh, thing was uh, sing it like you did. Sing it like you did when I liked it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Play it like you did when I liked it. Right. Yeah. And he was just, the, even for me, like, I've been with producers before where they, okay, everything, every note that I'm playing is on purpose. And there'll be songs, tracks that I've done where Johnny wouldn't say a single word to me. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> and then he would be on their asses. Yeah. I mean, just like, are you, do you, did you just pick up the bass or oh, do you actually man. know how to play the bass? Oof. I mean, he would get in your, and he did that on purpose because he wanted to get you riled up. He well, did. Yeah. Yeah. We'd argue and like, I would stomp out of the room <laughs> and cry and bitch and like quit and, uh, <laughs> and I'd come back and then, and I, I, and then I would even sit there with him after I'd leave the room and throw shit around or throw a tantrum. I would come back and he would ask me again. He's like, what about this part? And I'd tell him the same thing. And he's like, okay, I just wanted to make sure you were committed. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he you was, know, that kind of yeah. shit. Like, he's, he's just like, wanted to push your buttons. He's like, make sure that you, that is the part that you wanted. Because, it, like, if you sway in any way, he's like, all right. Well, yeah, he's like, nah, you're not, you know, we can do better. We can do better. Yeah. So to answer your question for me, I'm speaking for myself, is I like to be pushed. And that's like, I'm, most of the time he was like, leaving me alone. I'm like, that really? That's it? it? Come on. And then lead me on. I'm like, okay, <laughs> leave me alone. Leave me alone. Again, yeah. <laughs> leave me alone. Don't, don't come back at me. But yeah. personally, I like to be pushed uh, under pressure. It makes me better. Yeah. I think of that story um, that Pete Yorn once told in an interview. He was recording an album with, I think it was Frank Black, I think it was, and um, from the Pixies. I think, yeah. So he went in the studio and he had like a up a respiratory thing, you know, when he got in and he made him cut like four songs that day with that, with that uniqueness in his voice with the upper respiratory thing and how like Pete just like wanted to leave the studio. He was like, I'm so pissed. I don't feel good. This guy's being, a, you know, it was, it's, and I think of that every time, you know, when people say being pushed is they may hear something that you don't. And you kind of have to trust them when you're doing that, right? You kind of had to have that trust that he knows where he's going with this. Yeah, and we trust Johnny. Yeah, we totally trust. He's Johnny. our bro. He's he's like like he yeah. said. He's our he's the fourth member. He's the 
Smith Beetle. Is there though a comfort that comes along with that push that he gives you? Because he because he's he's making you guys better. So I mean, it may be uncomfortable to go through it, but there's maybe a sense of com- comfort on the other end that like, hey, we're with the right guy because he's trying to make us sound the best. You got to watch it like with your producers because Johnny's a musician's producer. Like he's he's he knows how to play and he knows what he wants. You know, he can play guitar, he can play a little p- piano, professional that stuff. And then you have producers that like just know like tones and that kind of thing that don't play at all. Like there's two different. And then you get a guy like Johnny, you got to watch and he trusts, like we trust him and he trusts us. So he, he has this um, sense of freedom with us, but he'll bring it back to us. And there's a couple of times like on the record when he brought it back and I'm like, I don't remember playing the guitar part and he wouldn't turn around from the desk. And I'm like, <laughs> and he act like he didn't hear me. And I'm like, no, Hey, I said, play that back. Easy. And he'd think he's going to slip one by me. Right. Easy, easy, easy. easy. <laughs> they called him out and I'm like, nah, nah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was a rough day. <laughs> don't do that. Would you play on Keith Richards' record? Oh, man. not on Keith Richards, but you just don't play on another guitar player's record. <laughs> okay. pretty, that is amazing, <laughs> man. You're just sitting there. You're trying to work through a tune, and he's put something else on. Oh, he, he just a yeah. I was, sit, I was triangle. I was sitting right next to Johnny K, and he was. And he heard him because I could see he kind of looked at me and said in my eye, I'm like, you son of a bitch. You, <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> he thought he's just going to fly right under the radar with me. Hell no. And he leaves the room and he tries, Johnny tries to explain it to me, which is just being, you know, well, I was there and I just could do it. Or I had to send it to him. Is, you know, I was being, you know, making it quick. And I'm like, I understand it. But look what you did. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you're saying makes sense. But look what you did. <laughs> this is like like a documentary similar to like Metallica, some kind of monster. You guys got to film this next time you're in the studio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. I would seriously, I would totally watch this. Josh getting pissed, storming out, throwing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was pretty entertaining. Actually looking back, especially Johnny's face when he's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was busted. <laughs> oh man. That was, <laughs> yeah. Ooh, the next track is uh, track number seven, On and On. What can you guys tell me about this song? Well, it's a driving bass line, yeah. Yeah, and it's an older song. We've had that one for a while. Um, Johnny K came in and, oh, that was another one he had to argue with that guy. He revamped it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. he wanted to change the, the bridge, <laughs> which is, you know, our favorite part of the song is the bridge when it goes up and down and just gets killer. And he's like, what if we do this? And I remember because... He wouldn't get, he was pissed off anyways. He wouldn't get out of bed. I think it was just after the guitar incident. Go yeah, on. this was a different one. Because we did some tracking back at his place in Chicago, and this was in Chicago. And he wouldn't get out of bed because he was pissed. And I don't remember where you, I think you were jogging or something, and Johnny wanted to work, so I'm just me and him. And he kept trying to change the bridge. And I have a different reaction to a lot of stuff. And he's like, well, what if we do this? I'm like, no, we're going to keep it the same. He was like, what if we do that? And I was completely calm the whole two hours of him trying to change everything. I'm like, no, we're going to keep it the same. It's going to stay the same. No, we're not changing it, Johnny. So finally, I was like, Johnny, Johnny <laughs> we're not changing on. it. And he's like, but okay, he was, it actually sounds pretty good. Seems, he was right because we had the song and he's like, okay, finally when he realized we weren't going to budge, he's like, but it needs something else. So he, he added that like, disco, the woo-hoo, that thing in it. And it's just, it just, 
it, it just made the song, which is yeah. incredible. You're like, ah, yeah, the post. Okay, yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. that's the money right there. So, yeah, he got his his two cents. He's yeah. like, I'm getting it somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put my two cents. So you get your hands in the soup, you know, somehow. <laughs> Real dude. Is that well? I, maybe the best way to ask that question is when the producer is approaching you guys with an idea they have about a song, um, and you guys are set on what you want to hear. You have that in your ears what you want to hear. How hard is it to? to I mean, obviously, on the last song, on and on, we just talked about. You know, there wasn't a much penetration on it, but. It, what's what does a producer need to do to have you guys kind of come around to their ideas? Oh man. Good night. Listen, like we, like what Chico said earlier, again, he said, there's no bad ideas, right? There are some, <laughs> definitely some, but uh, we always listen to everybody's ideas. Like even no matter whose it is, like if it's Alfred or, you know, we've had people, Tony or Belinda will come down and his wife and be like, <laughs> You know, we'll listen to everybody. Yeah. And the thing about Johnny and um, like working with Jim Kaufman too, or another producer we work with is they do have a lot of good ideas. So, you know, we incorporate them in the song. I think, you know, is it, if it's a good idea and we like it, like, I don't think it's, it's not really necessarily hard for us to incorporate it in the song. It's just, I think when we have a, an idea that's already in place, um, like, you know, Sunshine, there was a couple of songs that you like, he say mentioned, like, you know, they were already on and on with, was one that were already kind of there and like you know done you know there are certain songs where like you know i don't i I like this part and i I wrote this part because this is how it goes you know and we've worked with jim and that's how it was with a certain guitar part that i wrote um and this is not it's not a not a song on this on this album just answering your question that like um actually i was like yeah open to, to a different idea i was like oh yeah that's cool and josh was like no i want you i want to put your guitar part there i was like Okay, cool. <laughs> right on. Yeah, it's just you know when you feel a certain way about stuff, and 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 Jim is he's a brother of ours. Like the the producers we work with, Jim and Johnny, both are more like um, they're family. So and with Johnny, we didn't, we didn't start out that way. We've known Jim forever, but like but Johnny, that was new to us. So we hadn't worked with a guy, especially from the south side of Chicago. Oh, yeah. To have the demeanor that he's got is like, holy shit, because we're, we're pretty laid-back guys. And to have this guy, it's like, all of a sudden, come in calling us chumps and knuckleheads. You're like, what the hell? Who is this guy? <laughs> <not chumps. laughs> like, holy shit. So, chumps and knuckleheads. Yeah. I love that part, by the way. Chumps and knuckleheads. so fun to work with that guy. But, uh, but, yeah, so those guys come in, and it's, it's we just listen to every, you know, we want that because when we're working with the producer, it's automatically like a, another member of the band because that guy's there. He's there more than you are. And you're writing the songs, you know? Mm-hmm. 
You know how many times I've been called a knucklehead and a chump in my <laughs> life? You know, living right outside of Chicago. I grew up, you know, in Chicago. But uh yeah, no, it's it's an interesting dialect on the south side. It's almost like a different state from the north side to the south side. You know, south side, you know, they usually don't bathe very much. And uh, you know, they um you know, they, 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 they don't like elderly people. They hate their grandmothers. They hate their grandfathers. They don't like little children. <laughs> you know, they abuse them. Southside people, though, you know, they have about a, like a five-year-old reading level, basically. And they're White Sox fans, too. So <laughs> the truth. I speak the truth on all of it. Right. Junkie Excuses, one of my favorite tracks on the album. Love this tune because I know there's a story behind it. It tells a good story. It tells a good um, visual of what you guys are trying to to convey to the listener. But as we talked before, there is a story behind this song. What is it? What started out, um, my mom uh, came out to visit us in Arizona. And my sister, she went my sister home to watch her house. And when she got home, her car was wrecked and her house was trashed. And so I kind of, uh, you know, it's it, that's what sparked it. It was a late night session in the studio. I was like, oh, you know, um, this is, you know, and it's, it's, it's definitely on a personal level, but that, and like now looking back, it's funny, but at the time I was so pissed, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, get your shit together kind of thing. But um, it did stem from that. And uh, I kind of referred it to as more of like, her friends, you know, or the junkie excuses. It's like, Ooh, these guys are just junkie excuses, you know, whatever. But the, the, there was a, uh, you know, the band, um, Levon Helm and, and those cats, there's a documentary out called, uh, once we're brothers, I think. And so Robbie Robertson uses that reference to Levon, uh, when he was, um, making, he's like, he was on heroin. And so he's made these excuses. He's like, and Robbie's like, don't give me those junkie excuses. He's like, you know, this is bullshit when they were having issues when they were living in Woodstock, you know, making those records. And so I literally was watching, I was sitting on the couch in the studio watching that documentary. And when, when Robertson said that about Levon, I got up and I wrote junkie excuses on our whiteboard in the studio and it sat there forever and <laughs> ever and uh, like months and yeah months. and eventually it was late one night and i was by myself in the studio and i started doing this thing and and it just laid in there really nice like and then uh brought it to the guys and because uh, that's one of those things where johnny k was like song of the you know he's instead of song of the day we were talking about exile on main street by uh you know the rolling stones record and the vibe of that is really loose that whole album you can hear them hanging out in the house and so that's kind of when we moved our stuff like we we kind of based a lot of the record around that kind of vibe and so it has a rolling stone flavor and that looseness to it and then we kind of sat around and came up with the court like all the words together you know sitting in a room and uh bouncing around this scenario of yeah. you know of the the first verse that i painted the picture to we just kind of all continued on that and that powerful chorus came in as like, you know, I left the light on just in case you feel like coming home. Yeah. And the, th the thing that I really like about that song is because me and him have, were brothers for, you know, 10 years or so. So I know his family very well. 
and I know what he's talking about, but I can also see it from two different perspectives. I can see it from his perspective as if he's singing it or from his mom's perspective if she's singing it. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of neat to see that. But then there's also other things that don't even happen in the family that are included in the song. Yeah. You know, so, so it's kind of sort of, but that's what's cool about music, you know? Yeah. That's why I like, really like that song. Well, my question is, did the wreck car come first or did the trashing of the house come first? Car went into the yeah, house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the car went into the house? Uh, that'd, be, that'd be great for the story. Yeah. <laughs> Even it's like if, 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 I, if I did that and my parents, I would just leave and never come back. I would just say, you know what? I just got to go find a family to live with. <laughs> well, you think they would, but they never I, do. I think the house wrecking was over time and the car was like a stab in there. So it took, it wasn't like, the car was like one specific instance, but the house, it took the whole week to wreck it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's check it out. Well, before we check it out, I love the the the, the riff though, and 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 how you guys all come in with the song. Um, you know, was that how it was originally intended when you started writing it? When you wrote that up there, when you're writing that riff, did you did you hear all that together? Yeah, I was singing Stones all the way, like Keith Richards, the way that boom, gap, dap, You know, that vibe is. Um, it, it's funny. He's he's thinking Stones, and I'm thinking country when I play that song. I, for some reason, I feel like it's. You put a fiddle on it, it's a country song. Yeah. To me. You know, a lot of those stone songs are, you know. That's like, the way uh, I kind of play it. There's a little bit of swing in it, you know, a little bit of shuffle in it for me. There's always a there's a very thin line between blues and country, right? Like old school country, you know, not like country pop like now. But like, you know, when you hear because I you know grew up in Chicago, you know, and I I was hearing blues in the womb when when I was, you know real young muddy waters and magic Sam and all those players. And then when you hear that old country, it's, it's very close to it. It's, it, you know, it's, it's basically, you know, the, the twang is what makes it country. If there's no twang in it, it'd be a blues song. This is probably my favorite track on the song or on the album. Next song. Well, it's not really a song. It's kind of like uh, something going on. Two kinds of people. It's a brief. It's a brief moment inside the studio with the Black Moods. Uh, used to back in the day, you could you could put these things together on a record that would flow, but now it's got to be cut up. You know what I'm saying? It was just roll right into the song, but the way you know you're fed stuff these days so we had to make it its own track this is a friend of ours it's in the business and i he was actually when i was the guitar tech for the gym blossoms however many years ago he was their manager and so we just kept in contact he's retired now he lives in nashville but i've always sent him demos and i've always sent him stuff and i'm you know just get his opinion because he was the guy i knew that was the most successful in the business and he would always 
hit me back and all this stuff. And so finally we started getting some traction and I sent it to him. That's his, he called and left that on my voicemail, you know, saying that, you know, he's very proud of us and all this stuff. And that there's two kinds of people, you know, there's it's people, people that like, like the black moves and people that don't. don't. He's like, he's like to think he's on the right side. And then he drops his phone and it's like all the sloppiness. And then, Oh dear. Then this, yeah. yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> Got my phone. And then poor connection kicks in. Fire and gasoline. Fire and gasoline. Sorry. We call it poor connection for the longest time. It's poor connection. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, um, another, another track with another very recognizable riff or very black moods recognizable riff. Um, Fire and gasoline. Where did that song come from with you guys? How was that recreated? Um, it was just in rehearsals again. I well, I had that da na 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 na, and I just grabbed my phone and you know I have my phone is just filled with just that kind of shit, ideas. You know? And so I recorded it, but then I just kept jamming it, and the guys came in, and then it was it just kind of came together really yeah. easily. That was one of the early ones. That was actually the first. That was one. probably the first the one first that we wrote on the record. After we, we uh, wrote and tri- demoed that song, we're like, okay, I think it's time to start a new record. We recorded it like 12 times. More yeah. than that. Like, yeah, it took us a while to kind of get like to hone in on it. We changed the arrangement a few times. There's another fight with Johnny. Recorded Kennedy. it, changed it, recorded it, yeah. changed it back to the original, recorded it again. Change but, and that the, the one we ended up on was a mixture between yeah, the first one and yeah. the one we changed it. So, but it yeah. took us with the idea, the idea of uh, lyrically to poor connection is because um, we're always on the road and you know, we're always away from our families and stuff like that. So, FaceTime is a huge deal, and I'm always on the phone FaceTime my son and his mom, and it's so frustrating because. I stare at the words poor connection on my cell phone more than I stare at them, you know, when we're talking because the service always sucks. And so poor connection is like, Oh my gosh. So that's kind of where the whole basis of that kind of thing came from lyrically. anyway. You mentioned this song being one of the earliest songs that you recorded. Was this something from a previous session that you brought into this, you know, the recording of this album? No, just when we started to dive in, like when we realized like, we were gonna right. We were just triggered. Like, okay, let's time, time make a record. Yeah, we were. We always write. You know, even when we're on the road, when we're not on the road, there's always something in the pot. And we were, uh, we were. There was just something like we were already working with. We already knew. We knew we were going to record it in Missouri. We just, you know, we we were working out in the studio beforehand. Yeah, it just yeah that that thing once because we'd been. We've been working the Sunshine record and playing that and all that kind of thing, and then we yeah. hadn't thought about making a new record yet. Right. That was like, boom. But that was the first song that really, okay, I think we're ready. Start making a new one. And that was just sparked it. You know? Right. It started from there. Do you ever have that experience where you're taking something that was an idea in a previous session bring it in into a new because maybe you haven't found a home for it yet, but maybe that'll help work on the bridge on this song? or the lead on another song. Has that ever happened with you guys? I've definitely pieced lyrics and stuff like that together. I found things that have fit in my notebook that are phrases from two different, totally dates, like two different pages, two different dates and times. You know what I mean? And like, I forget what song it was, but you just wait one of the, I don't remember what song it was, but. Even from little parts like that, it's even full songs. 
we've had songs like Heartbeats that we've recorded seven times and we tried to put it on Medicine, didn't work. We tried to put it on Sunshine, didn't work. I put it on This One, didn't work. And we're already working on another record. Yeah. And and I think we found a home for the song that we've had forever. And it's a great song. It just didn't fit with the other ones. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we go back to our catalog from full songs to lyrics to riffs to whatever. And, you know, it, it's funny how they kind of work, just work themselves out. It's a... Uh, we don't put a mental thing being like, this is going to happen. It's just emotionally it happens. If that makes any sense. All right, let's check out Fire and Gasoline. song is you know we're getting on the back end of the record here um when you think of sequencing and you think of all these songs which is a collection of what you're working on um and they all kind of have their own personality how do you how do you fit them all together is that something that you guys collectively do or is it grouped together by how they're recorded how does that work everything's collective uh so i mean we're a democracy, so everything has to go through each other. Um, I think a lot of it is because I, I really focus on making set lists. I really focus on how the flow should go with stuff. And then, you know, I'll come up with my idea and bring it to the table. And then, you know, pieces move around. Um, but to be quite honest, I remember exactly how, I think it was like almost how he mixed it to where he would send us mixes and it would just end up that way. You guys remember? Yeah, well, I think we knew what we wanted to open the record with. Right, that was pretty obvious, and then, and also like I think we were bookended pretty well because I felt like the Cure was going to be a great closer, um, and then it I did feel I don't know we did we moved some things around, but I can't remember which ones we did. But like yeah, because like Hollywood was at number two, I don't think, but it ended yeah. up being number two. I don't remember, but. You know, there's always a flow. We listen to the order, like Chico said. Like, we all kind of, you know, I had it on my phone for a while, and I would switch songs in different order and try to just listen to the album and just see what it is. When we're making set lists, you always go, you always play a little bit of the last song and a little bit of the song, you know, that you're going to go into. So you just kind of, you listen to those two and how they they touch each other. And appropriately. (laughs) Oh, and they do. It's magic. <laughs> what, what's that feeling? Oh, it's magic. Yeah, Where did Had Enough come from? Oh, Seen Enough. Seen it's Enough. A, yeah, Seen Enough. Uh, it's a bass riff that he had. Yeah. He doesn't like it that well. Yeah. I think it's great. To me, it's one of my favorite songs off the record. Because uh, the bridge, too, the is, in my mind. is... Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll speak for him. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, the bridge is super cool. It, like... It's one of those that we haven't really focused on, and I feel like it's kind of gets like looked over a little bit. I mean, the record hasn't came out yet, so that's just for me having it as long as sitting with it as long as I have. But um, 
yeah, he was just jamming that thing. I was like, what are you doing? And yeah, I just kind of danced around it with that riff that I think. And then he started playing and then. Yeah, that was another. That was one that because we had it completely tracked vocals and everything, and then it was one of those we had to leave on on tour. And we came back, and Johnny was like, "We're not done with this song." And we went back and rewrote the verses. The verses, and I think the chorus was the same, but the verses were completely different to what you hear now. I don't even remember what they were then, but it took it from here up to there. Oh yeah, and we were just like. Wow, because yeah. <laughs> we all liked the song, but then after the, it felt the revamp, it yeah. was just like uh, after the revamp, point, we yeah. were just like, yeah, all right, yeah, that's it, that's the money shot. Yeah, that was that was cool that we did. And Johnny would even say that he's like, I think this is the VIP. Yeah. How is that? You know, for you guys, when you when you think you have it, and then a different perspective gets eyes on it and turns it into you know takes that song to the next level. Well, it's frustrating because you always think about because uh, Johnny's one of these guys he, he shifts the rules around to fit whatever he wants them to you know because he'll be like well you can't do that and then say an, an arrangement and so you're like oh well okay well let's move it around and then I, and then this other song is like but wait you it's okay for this song but it's not okay for that song like how who's making song? up these rules and then he'll have that little smirk yeah he's like yeah whatever <laughs> it's, not kind of song. yeah, it's not that kind of song yeah it's not that kind of song this is that this is that kind Give of song break, you know? yeah i feel like we're in a therapy session <laughs> we are we are <laughs> thank you <laughs> we are venting <laughs> all right let's give us a spin this is seen enough supposed to freeze this bullshit i might have drank the jameson and replaced it with iced tea <laughs> you son of a son bitch, of bitch. <laughs> look at that that's fucking jameson that's bush league yo oh yeah right here okay sorry we and we're back and we're back um all right Last track of the album is The Cure. It's the last single leading up to its release. Uh, I love this, uh, this song, too, as well. Uh, it's, it's quite different than what I was expecting from you guys. It's got a cool bluesy feel to it. It's got a Chris Isaac type of influence to it as well. It kind of merges that stuff together. It's kind of very brooding and very... Um, yeah, it, it's, it's nice when you get a surprise, especially on the last track of the album and i think it does deliver on that the video is absolutely phenomenal um the song is great thank you thank you thank you how did all this come to be because it is a different black moods track yeah do you remember that? that's in the jamming thing i think we did we, we, the, the main riff right around yeah yeah the beginning and then 
Yeah, because that and then he went I, off and soloed over that. Yeah, and then I think I had him play it like eighteen times in a row or something like rehearsal. Because I remember him rolling their eyes. I'm like, one more time, one more time. Like they started to get annoyed with me, and I was like, there's. I knew there was something there, and it was a. There was like, it was something a little different. As much as it is us, I feel like it's a little bit of a, you know, more of a traditional kind of blues ish tune than what we're used to. Definitely makes sense. Yeah, no, it was it was pretty. Um, it's a great track. It really is. Uh, and like I said, you know, I, when I when you guys released the single and I played it, I'm like, is this the Black Moods? This is this is really cool. And then of course. Started to recognize the voice and you know all the all the tones on it and everything, but um, I like when a band you know it sounds like you guys took a chance on this song a little bit, you know, kind of change it up a little bit. Was that what you guys were trying to do? Yeah, there's definitely a lot more space than we're used to, I think, in that song. It's a little sl- it's not slow, but it's kind of mid tempo, sluggish. Yeah, it's brooding. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, the real kind of empty. It's, it's spooky, you know. It's very, harder, like, yeah, those songs yeah. like a song like that is harder to get to point across live with that much space, like to make it sound good because it, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it should be, but with it, it's tough. Mm. That's to make it sound good and right, you know. Yeah, playing it's, less is harder. But to yeah, make it full. Yeah. and at the same time, it's one of those that you know he came up with the riff and we just jump in, you know head first and just see where it goes and it's we're, we're very very fortunate how easily we write together because again it's just that whole trust thing josh came up with that and me and him probably started at the same time bang, bang. and before you know it you know you have a third of a song and then you just start working out the rest of it and poof you got a full song and that so yeah it's definitely different than what we're used to but i think that's what we really liked about it at least i do like drumming wise like just that's cool because yeah. usually I'm doing Sports. more upbeat and, yeah. and I got a lot more ghost notes going on and stuff like that. So for me, it was really cool. It yeah. hangs a lot. Yeah. Know? And it's supposed to. It's like that feather in Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah, that you're falling around. <laughs> there you go. It's a great analogy, Josh. Um, no, I, I maybe brooding is not the right word. Maybe moody is the right word for the tune. It's a very moody song for you guys. Yeah, I think that for sure. It was on the cusp of being uh, the title of the record, too. Really? And we couldn't really... Nobody could agree on an album title. <laughs> so this went on forever. <laughs> no one. I mean, it, I mean, you. No, I mean, well, yeah, collectively <laughs> as a group. We had nine people being like, yep, let's do that one. Nope, we yep, had, do that. like, over 50. We started probably with at least 50, 50 or 70 names. And I think we obviously knew that. We starred the ones that we, you know, that we liked, and then we went through them, and I mean, it took, like you said, I mean, it probably took three months, at least three months to finally, the music's been done at this point, you know, and the artwork was mostly done and we're basically, our our art director was waiting on a name so that she can put the name in on the title or on the artwork, you know what I mean? Because we were like, we were that, it took us that while, that long, you know? And then, but I'll tell you what though, when it, when it, it came up, everybody was like, yep, that's you. That's it. I love it. So because we'd set on something, like I would kind of like, I was like that dog who just wanted his belly pet, you know, like just roll over on my back. Like, okay, whatever. And then the guys, and I, and then we'd come back for the meeting the next week, and so we're like, okay, this is what. We're, and I'm like, 
don't think so. And I'd be like, fuck. And then I'd be like, give me one more week. And then another week would go by and I still wouldn't have shit and we couldn't agree on anything and we all had our lists on our phones and all right, well, let's, uh, let's check out the last track, The Cure. Oh, you gotta make me believe That there's a cure for me Oh, you got me down on my knees Lord, I know all about your disease Something wrong Something Something you can't go back on Don't go doing something crazy That's the album. The album is Into the Night, out this Friday. And uh, how do you guys, you know, moving forward, getting ready to go on another journey after the album's complete and touring? Where are things going for you guys after this release? We have some shows coming up this summer, some festival dates that we're doing um, in June. And um, actually, we're doing one this weekend coming out, too. But um yeah, just touring. Hopefully just touring as soon as uh, after the album comes out. And then, uh, you know, hopefully support, fingers... Supporting the record. Yeah, supporting the record. I want to go overseas soon, so hopefully yeah. we do that. That's what yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> hopefully, no more videos, hopefully for a while. <laughs> yeah, we've been in video jail for yeah, the past four months. video mode, which is just... Yeah, but the video for... Uh, we have one more video that's going to come out for the album. Maybe, maybe one. We might have another one. Yeah. Who knows, but... The next one coming out is for the song, uh, the first song, Youth is Wasted on the Young. And I think it's, for me personally, is my favorite yeah. video. We got to take it's over more, high It's school. more um, like the Cure is uh, really professionally well done. Like, I mean, they're all like they all are. So is that one. But this one's way more fun. And like, you know, we, we, we got really... to play multiple characters. It's kind of like Foo Fighters, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So. I mean, it's sabotage and yeah. beastie boys and yeah we were goof you know goofing goofing. Around. yeah we're all different characters and we, we took over high school for three days they didn't know we were going to take it over yeah the kids didn't know at what po- they knew we were coming but they didn't know in how what, and what, what we capacity or anything we busted in like all in like jock attire like yeah, yeah one, one funny thing we're all i got backwards hats and we're wearing we're jerseys you know, jerseys and stuff and we kick in the door at the cafeteria while they're having lunch yeah and yeah. so they're having lunch 500 kids and one of the kids looks at us we don't know who because we're in a sea of kids he's like are you my dad <laughs> and then without skipping a beat i was like ask your mom <laughs> yeah and some other kid was like Burn! Burn! <laughs> so we were automatically back in high school. Yeah. Burn! Burn! It was 
I was thinking like maybe like a updated version of like hot for teacher or something like that. Yeah. There you go. Kind of, but this is, yeah, we've been watching the, well, like, I, rough drafts. yeah, I played the, I can't stop he plays the gym coach. She plays yeah, the Spanish, Spanish teacher. Yeah. Then they play the stoner kids. <laughs> I play the girl and the geek. And we have and there's teenagers in the whole thing. Right. And eventually they were great. The kids are awesome. Yeah. And eventually they take over the stage and we're playing for them and stuff. And it's it's gonna come out either on the same day as the record or shortly after. We're still doing edits, but um, you're gonna laugh your ass off because <laughs> it is hilarious funny. And it's supposed to be. When you guys are recording, do you always have the record button on? Pretty much. Al, right? Yeah, it rolls the whole time. Yeah, yeah. there's like hours. I, Al, I didn't know you were still over there, bro. <laughs> it's not going to work. Shut up. We're out of cold beer, so we're sharing one. Who's sharing? Who's sharing? Sharing yeah. beers. Don't make them confuse my name. Sharing beers. <laughs> no, that's the name he checks in the hotels under. Sharing beers. Sharing beers? But I was sure shit. He doesn't. <laughs> I just, I, I did, I just, I just gave him some money. He should. <laughs> a, a friend of ours, a concert promoter, or, no, it was Dr. Jeff was talking about the drummer for the Moody Blues used to check in, and his name was Wayne Kerr. They're British. <laughs> kids, so it's Wayne Kerr. <laughs> I still think the best sports name of all, of all is Dick Trickle, the NASCAR driver. That's for real. Wow, that's totally for real. Dick Trickle. You know, he must. He better have been like the second or something because his parents. That is a mean thing to do. You know, the only reason why anybody would not change that name is probably strictly for publicity. Because you know, bad publicity is still good publicity, right? So you got a shitty name, but see, look, now we're talking about Dick Trickle. <laughs> I'm t- every every night I'd be watching ESPN. They go over the NASCAR. Races and Dick Trickle finished in number twenty. I'm like, that's God. so. I, I want to be called Dick Trickle. <laughs> I want to do that now. Oh that my god, up. he's standing right next to Dick Trickle. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine being that announcer? Oh my god, Try yeah. It's like, it's like, like, <laughs> Come on, Dick Trickle. <laughs> you could say Trickle, but you don't. You have to say Dick Trickle every single time. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Whatever, Dick Trickle. There's Dick Trickle. Dick Trickle. You, you, you guys, you guys can look it up. I, it is one of the funniest names ever. Well, thank you for expanding our minds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> any? Um, I mean, are you guys going to be going to Europe, doing any tours? Is stuff still being worked out? You guys coming to Chicago? Hopefully, probably be doing stuff in the Midwest this summer and, and throughout the fall and things like that. But we're still working on some tours. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, with the record being rolled out now, it's kind of yeah. Things will change. Yeah. We're kind of. Yeah, a lot of things are in the works that we just can't really say right now. But, yeah, some good stuff is coming. How excited are you guys to kind of have no restrictions on a tour that you guys are going to do? Hopefully, we should keep our fingers crossed when we say that. But, you know, after, you know, last year when I saw you with the Dead Daisies, there was still a lot of stuff going on. And different venues had different restrictions. Different states had different restrictions. So it seems like, at least at the moment, everyone's moving forward with kind of like how it was before. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to get back to normal, you know what I mean? Without the masks, I've actually forgotten what it's like to wear one. Arizona was one of the first states that, you know, stopped doing the mask mandate, but um, I'm I'm not really used to it anymore. I mean, we're just not really seeing the crowd like you did before. But like, as far as that goes, I mean, like, you know, no, I haven't seen anybody wear a mask in, you know, 
airplane. Yeah, yeah uh, to answer your question for me is grateful. I mean, that, to have your whole business and company shut down for two years, um, you know, we made the best of it and made a record. Of course, that's what we do. But playing for people is really what we do. You know, and that's our best asset, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, well, we're lucky. Our label was amazing. So we weren't, you know, a lot of a lot of our friends that were in bands, they, you know, we lived together. <laughs> So we were all like, we didn't stop working. It, nothing really changed for us. A lot of bands broke, broke up or, you know, they didn't even make it through the thing. So, yeah. So we're grateful that it's opening up again and has been. I mean, again, <laughs> we're trying to get tours. Like, what about us? Yeah. Everybody's touring now. <clears throat> well, speaking, want- you know, speaking of tours, I've been to some shows in the last couple of months. The first show I went to without a mask restriction was Dirty Honey and Mammoth. And the crowd was insane. Like it, I, everyone kind of like when the, when the first song came on, everyone kind of took a collective deep breath and just exhaled and everybody was just ready to rock. And it was like people have been cooped up in their homes and just ready to get out there. Even shows last year, some of them were good, but for the most part, there was a, a little bit of reservation, you know, with, with the crowd. Some people didn't want to be, they tried to stay in a corner or whatever people had masks on which kind of was really um kind of a downer wearing that stuff i know kind of we had to it's you know at certain points but um being at shows now where there's no restrictions is like it was three years ago it's really and i think it's even a little bit more intense because i think people appreciate what they didn't have for two years and they're just ready to go crazy right now vice versa from from the stage looking on back and forth you know to be able to see that is you know because we've had some really really good shows yeah from doing those live streams when you're playing for it's like quiet after every song it's insane <laughs> like alfred would literally it'd be the four of us in the studio and we're playing you know there's you know 500 10,000 people watching or whatever in between songs you would actually put the the, the, the cricket, cricket sound in like gee, gee. <laughs> and it's up through our ears, and we're yeah. cracking up laughing. Yeah, brutal. <laughs> and he's over the cackling, smartass. <laughs> no, it, it's um, it's so important to have that synergy with the crowd because you guys feed off that. I mean, that's what makes that, that elevates your performance when a crowd is really into it and and ready to go. You know, no one likes a stick in the mud where you got to stand fifty feet apart from each other and at these tables and no one can stand up and it's a bummer. Yeah. Cause you only get COVID when you stand up, not when you stand yeah, up. Right. Exactly. And you only get COVID after midnight when the bar has to close rather yeah. than before midnight. COVID now. <laughs> Anything else uh, you guys got uh, before we, we conclude. Just follow us on, yeah. on all the socials and, all uh, socials blackmoods.com you can see all of our socials and i hope you like the new music that's uh coming out yeah we're proud of it well people will like the new music because uh i am here to tell you and testify that this is a great album this is a fantastic album and it's one that you should own if you're listening to it you can stream it but get the physical copy can you get physical copies yes the pre-order will be announced uh this week yep. awesome 
Awesome. So go get it. It's a fantastic record. Like I said, um, I'll definitely be talking more about this when we do our quarterly wrap up and in July, when we talk about, uh, April, May, and June albums like we did in the first quarter. But go get this album out June 3rd, Friday. It is, uh, it's wonderful. It's great. And, uh, Emerging Rock is here and the Black Moods are one of the bands that's leading the way. Go check it out. I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks. Take care of each other. We'll talk soon. Thanks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.